0: This episode has a parental advisory and is not suitable for children. The narrative contains strong language of a sexual nature. We want to start this episode with a special acknowledgement to VPD Sergeant Vaughn and to Agent Bill McGowan. Nothing we're presenting here would be possible without their tireless dedication to the Ransacker and Snelling cases. All of the original investigative reports come from McGowan's post-retirement working collection. As many of you know, he never gave up on solving these cases, and we want to see his work continued until there is an arrest and conviction.
1: Sergeant Vaughn led the investigation and has been a patient and generous resource for us. He and McGowan made the original connection between the VR and the EAR, and there was no one with more knowledge of the Vesalia cases. Sergeant Vaughn has been able to fill in details and gaps in the information and provide insight into past suspects and how the investigation eventually stalled.
0: Just a quick reminder that the interactive map for this episode can be found by clicking on the Episode 9 page of our website. 122675.com This is report of Sergeant Vaughn, October 8, 1975. To summarize these burglaries as to the MO of the ransacker, the following conclusions result. Number 1. Confines his activities to the area previously described and favors east-west streets 2 to 1 over north-south streets being 58 to 29. Number two, is predominantly active on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday evenings. Number three, takes money. 67 known cases. Number four, throws female underclothing in a more exaggerated manner than other clothes. 45 known cases. Number five, is not proficient in forcing entry as shown by many unsuccessful attempts to pry. 13 known cases. Number six, Opens more than one point of entry so as to have ways to escape. 58 known cases. Number seven. Leaves items on inside of door as a warning. 11 known cases. Number eight. Removes money from banks or takes banks and leaves other more valuable items. 28 known cases. Number nine. Ransacks bedrooms. 84 cases. Number ten. Takes blue chip stamps. Ten known cases. Many other homes don't keep these items. Number 11. Takes article of female clothing, cosmetics, and or one earring from a pair. Fourteen known cases. Six homes had no female clothing or jewelry. Number 12. Has taken six weapons, all pistols. Many other firearms left in plain view. Number 13. Takes 22 ammo, 12-gauge, and 20-gauge shotgun shells. Six known cases. Number 14, through, tore, or took photos of girls or children. Nine known cases.
1: This is BPD Report Gomes, September 11th, 1975. 224 hours, Thursday, September 11th, 1975. Responding officer dispatched to 532 North Whitney Lane regarding shooting. Responding officer arrived at the scene at 0226 hours, accompanied by Lieutenant G. Fry. Responding officer was met at the front door by Mrs. Snelling, who directed this officer to the entry immediately inside the front door. It was at this location that this officer observed mr snelling lying on his back with his feet pointed in the northerly direction mr snelling had sustained apparent gunshot wounds to his left arm and right upper chest mr snelling was observed breathing slowly and irregularly responding officer vigorously attempted to elicit a response from mr snelling mr snelling exhibited no signs that he could comprehend the conversation or was aware of this officer's presence Prior to this officer's arrival at the scene, an ambulance had been summoned and responded with the arrival of Visalia Police Department Ambulance, manned by Attendants Newton and Siler. Attendants gave Mr. Snelling initial medical treatment and subsequently transported him from the scene to Kauai Delta, where he was pronounced dead on arrival. Responding officer contacted Mrs. Snelling, who said she and Mr. Snelling were originally sleeping in their bedroom, located on the northwest corner of the residence. At approximately 0 to 22 hours, she heard noises that sounded like two gunshots. She responded from her bedroom. When she arrived in the family room, she observed Mr. Snelling walking from the rear of the residence. She observed that he had been shot. Mr. Snelling staggered to the area of the entry where he collapsed. Mrs. Snelling then summoned this department by telephone. Responding officer contacted the here enlisted victim. She related the following. The following she does not know the time of the occurrence estimated to be approximately zero to seventeen hours but recalled being awakened by the suspect she described herein as she was sleeping in the northernmost twin bed alone in the bedroom on the south side of the residence suspect was thought to have been sitting on top of her when she awoke suspect observed on top of victim places his right hand over her mouth and tells victim you are coming with me don't scream or i'll stab you victim sees no knife or weapon in suspect's hand at that time suspect grabs victim by arm possibly her right arm with his left hand suspect pulls victim up from bed from bedroom and enters the family room victim begins crying and attempting to free herself from suspects hold suspect is observed by victim to draw weapon from one of his rear pockets with his right hand victim described weapon as a revolver dark in color thought to be blue steel with short possibly snub barrel Suspect speaks to victim for the second and final time at this time, when he states, Don't scream or I'll shoot you, and points weapon at victim. Suspect maintains hold on victim and forces her out of the rear door located on the east side of the residence. Victim recalls seeing door open prior to this exit, indicating it was also used as suspect's point of entry. Victim exits residence with suspect through door-to-rear yard area suspect and victim walk east and then through cyclone fence gate adjacent to garage into carport area and then walk a short distance in a westerly direction to an area in the carport near a post on the northwest corner of the carport and victim's vehicle capri parked in carport victim then observes her father exit residence through the rear door mr snelling yells hey at suspect and is standing a few feet east of the rear door in rear yard at that time Suspect releases hold on victim and points revolver at Mr. Snelling and fires. Victim believes weapon was discharged twice. Victim believes Mr. Snelling may have re-entered residence through rear door. Suspect turns and points weapon directly toward victim who is sitting adjacent to post in carport. Suspect kicks victim in face three times with one of his feet victim cannot recall type of shoe apparel or what foot was used to kick her suspect is last observed by victim running westbound down driveway toward whitney lane no vehicle was seen or heard by victim or mrs snelling responding officer also conducted interviews with the only other occupants at the residence at the time of the offense identified as snelling jeff fourteen years and snelling eric seven years who were asleep in the bedroom located at the southwest corner of the residence neither of the occupants could relate any information except observing mr snelling lying in the entry after the offense victim had sustained a minor laceration to the inside of her lower lip accompanied by swelling injuries recorded later by photographs during investigation upon inquiry victim relates male voice of suspect had no unusual characteristics and positive vocal identification is doubtful. An extensive examination was made of the crime scene by reporting officer, assisted by Sergeant Brown and officers Parsley, Dawson, and Vadness. Investigations Lieutenant TS Feldstein was contacted and arrived to assist with crime scene search and follow-up investigation with investigation agents Calhoun and Grossman referred to their respective supplementary reports responding officer observed blood spots at intermittent and various locations of the interior and exterior of the residence including floor and wall in entry at mr snelling's location near center of floor and coffee table of family room from the rear of the residence to entryway and exterior of residence on cement patio east of rear door mrs snelling's purse originally on counter and family room was located on a brick planter on the east side of the residence miscellaneous papers of unknown origin was found in planter on east side of residence immediately south of rear door a spent lead fragment thought to have originated from the suspect weapon was found on the floor near the centre of the family room approximately twenty-two feet one and a half inches west of the extreme east wall of the family room and seven feet eight and a half inches north of the south wall Additionally, a check of the neighborhood was made and responding officers located a bottle containing an alcoholic beverage in an area near a residence south of the scene. VPD Identifications Technician Bill West responded to photograph the scene and subsequently confiscated the described item of evidence. Refer to Officer West's supplementary report for description and disposition of evidence items. Refer to attached crime scene diagram completed by responding officer for location of items of evidence in relation to overall crime scene additionally this officer observed a broken bed brace between two bed posts at the foot of victim's bed information from victim revealed brace was loose and apparently became disengaged during her initial contact and struggle with suspect on the bed it was also observed that the window screen on the east side window just north of the rear door on the east side of the residence near the southeast corner had been apparently removed Information from Mrs. Snelling indicates window screen was originally intact. A search of the area during initial investigation failed to reveal this item, which had apparently been removed by the suspect. Suspect then apparently opened the window. Window may possibly have been left open to cool the residence during an earlier air conditioning malfunction, as no evidence was found to indicate a forced method of entry. Suspect then apparently reached through this open window and unlocked the door by the interior doorknob. Suspect entered the residence through this door it is assumed suspect confiscated mrs snelling's purse originally on the countertop and exited the residence through the point of entry and then placed the item outside the residence as this item was found outside and was not in suspect's possession during his contact with the victim suspect then apparently re-entered the residence and entered victim's bedroom where he confronted her and subsequently exited the residence with her through his point of entry as indicated in victim's statement additionally observed was a small irregular hole approximately two inches long and one inch high in the glass of the rear door used and herein referred to as point of entry the centre of the hole was approximately ten inches from the north edge of the rear door and is of unknown origin possibly from a weapon projectile illumination to the rear yard area was apparently furnished during the offence by a rear light located south and just above the rear point of entry door Responding officer noted no other obvious physical evidence during the portion of the initial investigation conducted by him. Refer to supplementary reports by assisting officers and attach crime scene diagram. Investigation relinquished to and continued by aforementioned investigative division personnel. Initial investigation concluded by this officer. Suspect is described as white male adult, unknown age, five foot nine, 150 pounds. Possible dark colored shirt, wearing black ski mask with eyes and mouth portion cut out, described as having white stripes and having multicolored zigzag design. This is VPD Report Woods, September 11, 1975. Thursday, September 11, 1975, hours to 08.30 hours. This agent, while assisting in the investigation of this case, contacted the residents of Gist Drive and Linda Vista. This agent interviewed all of the occupants of the residence and checked the surrounding grounds for any physical evidence pertaining to this case with negative results. There were two occupants living at 511 Linda Vista. Both subjects stated that at approximately 0 30 hours, they were awakened by screams and gunshots. Subjects could not remember whether they heard the shots first and then the screams or the screams and then the shots. Subject's house is located directly east of the victim's residence and a wooden fence separates the two backyards. Subject's residence is located approximately 50 yards from the residence of the victim. Both subjects stated that they definitely heard three gunshots, however they did not see anyone. Both subjects stated that they did not bother to get up to investigate what they heard and could add nothing more than that they heard screaming and three gunshots followed shortly by police sirens. At 519 South Linda Vista, One subject who lived there, just southeast of the victim's residence, her residence is approximately 75 yards from the victim's residence. She stated she was awakened at approximately 0 to 30 hours by screaming and gunshots. She stated that she only remembers hearing one shot. She stated at this time she looked out of her bedroom window, which is located on the west side of her residence, and looked out. However, she could not see anything. She stated that she also has a large German shepherd in her backyard, which normally barks if there is anyone in the area. However, the dog did not bark. Subject could add nothing further that would help the investigation in this case. This is VPD report badness, September 11th, 1975. At approximately 0, 0300 hours this date, while checking the yard and shrubbery at the residence of 548 Whitney Lane, being the first residence located south of the victims, responding officer was checking the shrubbery located on the south side of the residence, and responding officer observed a clear decanter bottle containing liquid believed to be alcoholic beverage located under the bush, at which time responding officer advised Sergeant Brown, who in turn turned the evidence over to Bill West, who photographed same and sees same as evidence. VPD report Stenback, September 12, 1975. September 11, 1975, 6.45 a.m. This agent contacted the occupants of the following residents. 2938 West Campus, 645, 633, 617, 607, 531, 527, 517, 507, and 443 Whitney Lane in regards to what they saw or heard and also to check the exterior of the residence for possible evidence to this crime all of the occupants with the exception of the occupant at 527 whitney lane who was not home at the time of this offense stated that they heard two shots fired but did not see or hear anything the front and rear yards of all of the above residents were checked with negative results during the canvass of the neighborhood contacted the resident at six thirty three whitney lane who stated that between two a m and two thirty a m this date she heard two gunshots close by and got out of bed and looked out of the front window and did not see anyone running in the neighborhood or hear any cars leaving the area she could add nothing further at this time This is VPD report Shipley, September fifteenth, nineteen seventy-five. September eleventh, nineteen seventy-five, Thursday, zero six thirty hours. Contacted resident at five thirty Redwood Drive, who stated that at approximately two thirty a.m. on the date of the crime, he heard one gunshot but paid no attention to it. This agent checked VPD files and found that on eight thirty-one, nineteen seventy-five, a thirty-eight caliber revolver was taken in a residential burglary it was found that the owner on royal oaks drive reported that on sunday eight thirty one seventy five between eleven ten and twenty two forty five hours someone broke into his residence and removed a maruku brand thirty eight calibre six-shot revolver blue steel with a four and a half inch barrel also taken was two boxes one hundred each of thirty eight caliber wad cutters the victim stated that the firearm was loaded with three steel jacketed hollow pointed thirty eight caliber bullets the modus operandi of the suspect responsible for this burglary is the same as approximately seventy other ransack burglaries committed in the city of Isalia in the past ten months the only discrepancy in the modus operandi was the suspect took a thirty eight caliber pistol Victim stated that approximately two weeks prior to the burglary, he fired the pistol approximately 150 times target practicing at the St. Johns River. Victim accompanied this agent and agent Arnold to Avenue 328 and the St. Johns River, where he pointed out a location approximately one-half mile north of Avenue 328 in the riverbed where he fired his pistol. This agent and Agent Arnold sifted the sandbank where the bullets lodged and recovered 77 lead bullets for ballistic comparison with the bullets recovered at the scene of the homicide and from the victim's body. The bullets were sealed as evidence and stored in VPD Evidence Locker Number 1. No further information at this time. This is VPD Report Arnold. September 15th 1975 September 11th 1975 0600 hours contacted residents at six one five redwood drive he stated he went to bed at eleven p m past eight and was awakened at approximately two thirty a m this date by some noises which he described as creaking noises he stated he got up with a flashlight and looked around but saw nothing a yellow girl's schwinn bicycle was observed by this agent laying in the front yard the owner stated he had never seen it before and it was not there past date a check of the license showed the owner to live at one three two three west tulare avenue visalia she was contacted and she stated that her daughter nineteen years was in charge of the bicycle and she would contact her regarding same upon contacting the daughter she advised that the last time she had seen the bike was on nine nine seventy five tuesday in their backyard. Same had apparently been stolen and abandoned at 615 Redwood Drive. It is unknown if there is any connection between the bike and the homicide. However, it was turned over for processing and storage at VPD. This is VPD Report Calhoun, September 18, 1975. Thursday, September 11, 1975, approximately 2.30 p.m., this agent and Lieutenant Feldstein contacted victim Beth Snelling at the Visalia Police Department and interviewed her. The interview was tape recorded. Victim stated she went to bed around 10 p.m., Wednesday night, 9-11-75, but before retiring for bed, she checked the back door, east end of residence, and locked it, Victim stated that while she was doing this, she looked at the large window located just north of the back door and observed that the screen to the window was in place. Victim stated that she then went to bed. Victim stated she thinks that her parents were still up when she retired. She stated she was awakened from a sound sleep by the suspect leaning over her and a hand over her mouth and nose. She stated she did not begin to struggle with the suspect because she could not breathe and the suspect told her not to scream or he would stab her suspect then removed his hand described as strong neither soft nor hard and had no odor about it from her mouth suspect then told victim in a low raspy voice that she was going to go with him and started pulling her from the bed victim repeatedly asked the suspect where he was going to take her and what he was going to do with her suspect did not answer any of her questions Suspect then forced Victim from her bedroom by holding onto her left arm with his right hand and pulling and pushing Victim into the dining room area where he, Suspect, reached around to the back area of his body and produced a gun. Victim stated that the bathroom light was on as well as the porch light and this was the only illumination into the dining room area. Suspect told Victim not to scream or he would shoot her. Victim stated she was whimpering when he, Suspect, told her this. Victim stated she was continuing to hold back, but he, suspect, pulled her out the back door. Victim stated the back door was standing open. She stated suspect forced her outside and through the gate, which was standing open, and out into the carport area. Victim stated that they were near the rear part of the Torino, her parents' car, parked in the carport when they heard her father call out from inside the house, Hey, what are you doing? Where are you taking my daughter? Victim stated that both she and the suspect could see her father running through the house towards them. Victim stated that the suspect let go of her arm and she sat down on the ground. She stated that the suspect made no attempt to run at this time, but stood there and pointed the gun at the back door, waiting for her father to come outside. Victim stated that her father came outside onto the patio area and stopped facing the suspect, who was approximately seven to ten feet away, and was on the other side of a four-foot-high chain-link fence. Victim stated that her father asked him, the suspect, what was he doing, and where was he taking his daughter? Suspect gave no reply. Victim stated that the suspect fired once, and the bullet struck her father and turned him around, and that is when the suspect fired the second shot. Victim stated her father moved back a little, then turned and re-entered the house by way of the back door victim stated at no time did her father stumble or fall as he entered the house she stated she could see the front of her father's shirt was covered with blood as he turned to go into the house victim stated the suspect then pointed the gun at her and she thought he was going to shoot her but instead kicked her in the facial area three times and then ran off in a westerly direction down the driveway and disappeared from her view victim stated she re-entered the house and went to the front door area where she observed her father laying on the floor covered with blood victim stated her mother was on the phone calling for an ambulance victim described the suspect as a caucasian light-colored skin with angry-looking eyes victim stated that she felt that the suspect was older than high school age Victim stated the suspect had strong hands and was approximately 5'8 to 5'11 in height, stocky build, about 150 to 175 pounds. He was wearing dark-colored long-sleeved shirt and a dark-colored pant. Suspect was possibly wearing tennis shoes or similar type shoes that made a squeaking noise on the dining room hardwood floor as well as the tile floor. Victim stated that when she was kicked in the face, the shoes seemed to be soft and not hard. Suspect was wearing a ski mask of the type with the eyes, nose, and mouth cut out. Victim stated she could only see suspect's eyes, nose, and the area around his mouth. She could not tell the color of his eyes or if the suspect had a mustache or not. Victim stated she did not see any hair below the bottom of the mask, which came down to mid-neck level. Victim stated she did not see any deformities on his hands or about his body or any rings or watches. Victim stated that he had no odor about his body or hands and is sure that she has never been around him before. She stated she is not sure if she can identify the suspect's voice if she should hear it again. This interview is terminated at approximately 4 p.m. friday september 12, seventy five approximately four p m mrs snelling was contacted at the visalia police department and interviewed present during the interview was this agent and lieutenant feldstein mrs snelling stated she came home from school in fresno around eight thirty p m on wednesday september 10, seventy five and her husband her daughter and her two sons jeff and eric and her daughter's boyfriend were there she stated that the air conditioner had gone off around six p m so the family had opened up all of the windows of the house for ventilation she stated that her sons went to bed around nine thirty p m and her daughter went to bed around ten p m she stated that her husband went to bed around ten p m also because he had an upset stomach she stated she had placed her purse on the counter by the built-in barbecue with her school books when she came in from school She stated that she checked the back door around 10.30 p.m. while she was preparing to go to bed and at this time the window screen located in the large window just north of the back door was intact. She stated that she turned off all of the inside lights except the kids' bathroom light and the rear porch light was left on. She stated she then went to bed. She stated she woke up and heard some kind of commotion and heard her son Jeff yelling and jumped up out of bed thinking that he may have been having a nightmare. And as she was going towards Jeff's room, she heard two shots. She stated she came out of the hallway into the dining room area and saw her husband coming through the back door, and his shirt was covered in blood. She stated that her husband told her, I've been shot, I've been shot. She tried to stop him, but he ran past her, as if he was after someone. She stated her husband ran to the front door and collapsed. She ran to him, and at this time, he was unconscious. She ran to the phone and called the police and the ambulance. Mrs. Snelling stated that while she was on the phone, her daughter came into the house and she turned the phone over to her so that Mrs. Snelling could go back to her husband. She stated that her husband did not say anything else. The police and ambulance arrived shortly thereafter and her husband was transported to the hospital. Mrs. Snelling stated that she had no idea who the responsible person could be because neither her husband or Beth had any enemies to her knowledge that would make someone do something like this mrs snelling was shown her purse that had been seized as evidence and she looked through it and stated that the only thing she could find missing at this time is two dollars in one dollar bills she continued to look through the purse and found a ten dollar bill that apparently had been overlooked by the suspect mrs snelling stated that she does not know at this time if anything else is missing from inside the house or not Monday, September 15, 1975, of approximately 4.30 p.m., Jeff Snelling, age 14, was contacted at the VPD and interviewed. Jeff stated on Wednesday, September 10, 1975, he and his father went to a church meeting and returned home about 8.30 p.m. Jeff stated that when they arrived home, his brother Eric, his sister Beth, and her boyfriend were all there. Jeff stated he went to bed. He thought around 10 p.m. and is sure that his parents were still up at this time. Jeff stated he was awakened by shouts and heavy footsteps. He's not sure, but thinks he heard shots, also after he was awakened. Jeff stated he thinks the footsteps were emanating from the area of the back door. While he was getting out of bed, he heard a crash, like something had fallen. He started out of his bedroom door and observed his father laying on the floor by the front door. Jeff stated he at no time went outside. He did not hear or see any vehicles at the time he woke up. He has no idea who the responsible persons could be. This is VPD Report Woods, September 23, 1975. Thursday, September 11, 1975, 1530 hours. This agent and Agent Dan Ross walked from the area of Woodland Drive westbound along Highway 198 to County Center. The area and the shrubbery between the roadway of Highway 198 and the cyclone fence running parallel along Highway 198 was checked for any evidence pertaining to this case with negative results. on monday september twenty second nineteen seventy five he struck again on royal oaks he took cologne beauty cream and stole two photos of the daughter he stole one earring from a pair and one bra the house had no blue chip stamps he ransacked all of the bedrooms and threw female clothing he disassembled padded bras and wadded up bikini panties and put them on the daughter's bed the daughter is a student at mount whitney and was Visalia's ideal miss. The victim was a Mount Whitney teacher. This is VPD Report Spencer, September 23rd, 1975.
2: Property taken. Six Beauty Counselor brand Liquid Beauty Foundation, peach two color, bottles being two fluid ounces in size, having purple plastic bottle with white metal top, value $3 each, total $18. Two Limoges brand three-fluid-ounce bottles of women's cologne, value $6 each. Two wallet-sized photographs of victim's daughter, 15 years of age, wearing a hot pink formal dress having a rhinestone tiara on her head, taken at the time the victim's daughter was crowned Vesalia's ideal miss.
1: On October 21, 1975, the victim of the September twenty second attack contacted Agent Shipley. She stated that on Tuesday, October 21, 1975, she came home from shopping at approximately 1.30 in the afternoon. No one was at home when she arrived. She parked her vehicle in the garage and entered the residence. None of the vehicles were at home. At approximately 1.45, 15 minutes later, she heard someone at the front door attempting to open the door she stated that she thought it was her son returning from school she went to the door and looked through the door viewer but someone apparently placed their hand over the viewer restricting her view she ran to the living room window and looked out but saw no one at approximately two twenty hours her phone rang she answered but still had no response from the other person she asked who was calling two or three times but still didn't get any response a few seconds later the person hung up at approximately two forty five five minutes later the phone rang again she answered by stating hello a male voice stated how would you like to get fucked using her name she stated who is this the male subject then hung up victim stated that on thursday october sixteenth nineteen seventy five she received a similar call from a male subject possibly the same person she stated that her husband had just left for work at approximately seven fifty in the morning when the phone rang she answered the phone and the male subject stated I know you are home alone, and I'm going to come over and fuck you. Subject then hung up. She contacted the telephone company and had a trap placed on her phone. This is VPD Report Shipley, September 30th, 1975.
2: September 26th, 1975. The canal bank where the Taurus 38 caliber revolver was recovered was checked again with negative results. The Pure Grove Fertilizer Company located at the Santa Fe Railroad tracks and Avenue 256, which is located approximately a quarter mile west of the location where the 38 caliber revolver was found, was contacted by this agent a check of the employees names and addresses was made to ascertain if any connection could be made with any employees and the area where the offense occurred none of the employees lived anywhere near the area of the homicide
1: the resident of five twelve whitney was contacted she lives two houses north of the snelling residence on the same side of the street she stated in the early morning hours of nine eleven seventy five she was awakened by unknown means She stated she thought it was time to get up, and she got up to plug in the coffee pot. As she passed the clock in the living room, she found that it was ten minutes after two. She went into the bathroom for a minute and returned to her bedroom, which is located in the south portion of the residence. She was standing near an open window looking toward the Snelling's backyard. She stated she could see the floodlight on in the Snelling's backyard, but she saw no one in the yard. At that moment, she heard a gunshot. Approximately one second later, she heard another similar report approximately one second later she heard another report but the third report sounded as though it was muffled she stated right after the third report she heard a woman scream twice very loudly she stood by the window for a few minutes and heard nothing else she walked into her living room she stated her windows were open and that she could have heard anyone running or a vehicle driving past but didn't hear anything
2: september ninth, 1975. This agent was checking the aerial photograph of the crime scene and found what appeared to be an aluminum window screen lying on the roof of the travel trailer parked in the driveway of the residence located across the street from the Snelling residence. This agent drove to the residence located at 531 Whitney Lane and observed a 20-foot Golden Falcon brand travel trailer parked in the driveway to that residence. On checking the top of the trailer, a window screen measuring approximately 27 inches wide and 48 inches long was found lying near the left front portion of the roof, approximately 14 inches from the front edge of the roof and approximately 10 inches from the left roof edge. Bill West, Visalia Police Department was contacted and he took photographs of the trailer and the screen. He retrieved the screen from the trailer roof and took possession of it.
1: This is VPD report Shipley, October 2, 1975. Made contact with the residents at 531 Whitney Lane. The parents heard two gunshots. Their son said he heard three gunshots. They got out of bed and checked the interior of the residence, but saw nothing. Residents at 530 Redwood Drive. They heard one gunshot and saw nothing else or heard anything else. Resident stated that later on he found a flashlight lying in his yard. That flashlight was taken at a residential burglary at 510 Rudwood. Made contact with the residents at 3042 Whitney Lane. They said that the day after the offense, they missed an aluminum ladder that was hanging on their back fence. Later, they discovered it lying behind the neighbor's house. They stated that they contacted the police department, and a report was made on same. One of our first and most pressing unanswered questions for Sergeant Vaughn was, where was the ransacker taking Beth? Unfortunately, VPD never developed a solid answer to the ransacker's plan if Claude Snelling had not interrupted him. The ransacker could have just attacked Beth in her room. It wouldn't have been any more risky than dragging her out through a house full of people. The Snellings also had a large, fenced backyard, which was away from the bedrooms at the front of the house and private from the neighbors.
0: BPD accounted for all of the cars parked in the neighborhood when they arrived, and none of them belonged to the ransacker or had been stolen. It appears that he arrived on the stolen bike found a block west of the Snellings. Clearly he wasn't going to use that to kidnap Beth. There were no nearby parks, empty buildings, or open spaces. So why were they out in the carport?
1: The most obvious answer is that he was planning to take Beth in one of the two Snelling family cars parked in the carport. We wondered if he took Mrs. Snelling's purse outside and dumped it to look for the car keys. VPD did not search the cars to see if they were unlocked or had the keys in them. They also never did any kind of inventory to see if the ransacker fled with a set in his pocket. It took some time to figure out that he had left the stolen bike and didn't have a car parked nearby, so the rest of the ransacker's plan for Beth was never
0: fully explored. The missing window screen really bothered VPD largely because they were aware of the ransackers' obsession with placing screens in odd places. And they were hoping that the location of the Snelling screen would give them a lead to follow. We wonder if its placement on top of the neighbor's travel trailer was a clue to his plan for Beth. At some point, after arriving at the Snelling's, he carried the screen from the Snelling backyard down their driveway across Whitney and placed it on the roof of the trailer parked in the neighbor's driveway.
1: Based on the screen, we have a couple of thoughts about the ransacker's plan. The first is, maybe he wanted to make it look like Beth had left on her own, in the family car, and hadn't been kidnapped at all. Perhaps he had trouble fitting the screen back in from the outside, or didn't want to make too much noise, but he knew the screen on the ground would give away the break-in. The other thought is that he was planning to take Beth over to the trailer to assault her, and putting the screen on top was some kind of taunt or message to law enforcement it's a mystery.
0: Another nagging unanswered question is whether or not the cause of the Snelling's AC failure was investigated. It seems like a long shot but obviously the ransacker had been peeping on Beth for a long time. The ransackings in her neighborhood started in April of 1974 and he may have decided to create an opportunity for a planned attack on Beth. The bike the ransacker rode to Redwood was stolen all the way over at Giddings and Tulare. So presumably, he pre-planned hitting in Beth's neighborhood that night. Also, Beth's attack was far later than any ransacking, another factor that points to a plan rather than a spur-of-the-moment decision.
1: VPD did an excellent job investigating the ransacker's escape route. He did what amounted to a classic double back. Quite a few neighbors went to look when they heard the shots and screams, but nobody spotted him. It's interesting that he was last seen heading west, toward the bike he had left over on Redwood. That sent law enforcement looking in that direction when they arrived. In reality, he hugged the houses along the east side of Whitney and then cut through yards to reach the area near Gist and Linda Vista. This route was determined by the down badminton net and moved ladder. Given that the bike was stolen on Giddings, he likely used the northern ditch route along the 198 to head back east. In 1975, there was a narrow, fenced-in strip of plantings and drainage ditch that ran along the freeway in that area. Law enforcement would have been unlikely to check it since it appeared inaccessible, and the darkness and bushes would have provided excellent cover. This is BPD Report McGowan, October 2, 1975.
2: September 30th, 1975, Tuesday, 1515 hours. Reporting officer contacted victim Jane Smith at her place of employment, the First Baptist Church at Seoul and Tulare, where she works as a teacher's aide. She was interviewed in regards to any additional information she might have in reference to her assault, which occurred on July 24th, 1975 she stated that the suspect was wearing a black ski mask with light-colored eye nose and mouth holes and that he was approximately five ten to five eleven and that she observed his arms and noted he appeared to be fairly muscular and strong she related further that she believes that the suspect had just come down the stairway from the upstairs apartment in which they had rented to a subject and that she surprised him, and he grabbed her and tried to knock her down so that he could get away. She related further that he at no time attempted to molest her, nor did he state anything to her. She related further that the person who lived in the upstairs apartment, which is over their garage, works at Montgomery Wards. She related further this subject moved approximately two weeks ago to an unknown location. She stated further that the renter had reported to her and her mother later that same morning, referring to July 24th, 1975, that somebody had entered his apartment and ransacked Same. Stated further that he was unable to find anything missing, that definitely somebody had been in the apartment and had gone through his clothes and personal effects. He related further that the suspect entered the apartment, possibly by opening the door to said apartment, as it was left unlocked when he had left the previous evening. Jane Smith stated further that she feels that the suspect who attacked her and just burglarized the renter's apartment and was leaving apparently was surprised by her.
1: On Saturday, October 4th, 1975, there was an attempted burglary on Verde Vista. The same home had already been a ransacking victim on January 25th, 1975. On the night of October 4th, they awoke at 4.30 in the morning, hearing noises at the same window that the burglar had used to gain entry prior. The homeowner stated that it sounded like someone was prying on the window. He went out to check the window and found fresh pry marks on the window frame. VPD Report Shipley, October 10, 1975, 2618 Gist Drive. Residents were all home on the night of the homicide, but were asleep and heard nothing. Residents stated that on the morning of the homicide, she got up at approximately 7 a.m. and found that the badminton net, which is in their backyard, had been knocked down. She stated that the net appeared to have been knocked down by someone running through the backyard. She stated that the net is tall enough that it would have not been knocked down by an animal, such as a dog five o seven linda vista resident said on the morning of the homicide he heard two shots and a woman's scream he stated that he got out of bed the moment that he heard the shot and went to the rear of the residence and was looking westbound toward the snelling residence he stated at no time did anyone come through his backyard five eleven linda vista resident was awakened by what she thought were three gunshots and a woman's scream she stated that her son yelled to her asking her what was that noise she stated that her son went directly from his bed to the backyard and was looking out westbound toward the Snelling residence. She stated that she got up and looked out the front. She said "At no time did anyone come through their backyard or front yard." 607 Linda Vista resident heard three shots on the morning of the offense she stated that she was awake prior to the shots being fired she stated as soon as she heard the three shots fired she jumped out of bed and looked out the window facing the north side of her residence she stated she looked in the front yard and the street which would be east of the snelling residence and she saw no one run through the area five o eight linda vista Resident stated that on the morning of the homicide, he heard two gunshots and a scream. He stated that he got out of bed and ran to the front door of his residence and looked out onto the street, facing westbound toward the Snelling residence. He stated he looked out his front yard and then walked to the curb and stood there for approximately fifteen minutes stated that he heard and saw no one cross linda vista street and that he could see from Gist drive to the north and to campus drive to the south stated that this street is well lit with street lights and that no way could anyone have crossed the street without him seeing them five one nine linda vista resident stated that her husband heard two or more shots but wasn't sure on the morning of the offense she stated that she heard one shot and then heard a door slam she stated that it sounded like a screen door slamming She stated that she and her husband both got out of bed and looked into their backyard, which they were facing westbound. She stated at no time did anyone come through their backyard. This is VPD Report McGowan, October 10, 1975, 1500 hours. Victim Beth Snelling appeared at the Visalia Police Department and was re-interviewed by this officer. She was asked if the suspect in this case could have possibly been a woman dressed as a man and if the suspect could have been wearing surgical or very thin rubber gloves she related to the first question that she is positive that the suspect was a man and that it is possible that the suspect was wearing a surgical glove however she does not think so she stated that she feels that the suspect's bare hands were over her mouth and nose when she was first aroused from a sound sleep on the night of the murder and attempt kidnap she was asked if the voice of the subject could have been that of a female she stated she felt it was highly unlikely the voice seemed too deep However, the suspect spoke in a growl, and it could have been a female disguising her voice, but she does not think so. Conversation with Bess Snelling was terminated at approximately 1530 hours. This is VPD Report Shipley, October 14th, 1975.
0: It should be noted that a 357 Magnum was seized by this agent for elimination purposes due to owner firing the python in the same area on the same date as the murder weapon being the Maruku brand 38 caliber pistol. The 38 caliber round was given to owner by the victim of the theft of the Marucci 38 pistol and directed owner to give the round to this agent, advising that the Maruku was loaded with similar ammunition on the date of the theft.
1: This is VPD Report Vaughn, October 17, 1975. October 16, 1975, Thursday, AM hours. The identifiable jewelry taken from possible ransack burglaries was placed on a teletype to CINI and all pawn shop details. The three identifiable firearms previously listed were all run through NCIC and all returned as being stolen. This was a double-check to make certain all had been entered. This is VPD Report McGowan, October 15, 1975. Monday, 1630 hours. Reporting agent and Lieutenant Jump re-interviewed victim Elizabeth Ann Snelling at the Visalia Police Department in the office of Lieutenant Robert Jump. The victim was requested to go over the incident again in its entirety in order to pick up any information that may have been left out in the initial interviews with investigating officers. She related that she is nearsighted and could see things up to approximately five or six feet very well however after that distance became blurry without her glasses with her glasses she has nearly perfect vision the victim was also asked if she walked around the residence in the nude or partially dressed where someone might be able to see her from the street or outside the residence and she stated to the negative She did state, however, that at times she had worn short shorts in the front yard while washing the car or walking around watering said yard, and that she often sunbathed in the backyard wearing a bikini. However, that location would be impossible for anyone to see her because it's surrounded by a high fence. She also stated that she usually went to school with her boyfriend who gave her a ride. However, in the past she rode a bicycle to and from school, and that at no time could she remember anyone following her or looking at her or watching her in any unusual manner she was asked if she had been asked out recently by anyone at work or if anyone had followed her from work or if she visits her father's office at the college of sequoia campus or knew of any of his students she stated to the negative she was asked if she ever hung around the tennis courts or the college campus and she also stated to the negative regarding this the victim was then asked to go over the complete incident in regards to the morning of the occurrence She stated that she was sleeping in a shorty nightgown, had a sheet and blanket, or covers, up to her midsection, as she always slept this way because she is somewhat cold-blooded. She related further that the bathroom light was on, and the bathroom door was open, and the back porch light was on. She did not recall exactly what time she went to bed. It was around 10 or 10.30. However, she was not certain at this time. She related further that she checked the back door, and it was locked. She also checked said window adjacent to the door, and noticed that it was open. However, the curtains were closed, and she believed the screen was intact. She was asked about the screen, whether she was certain it was intact. She stated she was fairly certain. She had been sitting in the back porch earlier with her boyfriend, and she remembers looking at the screen and window, and feels that the screen was intact at that time she continued to state that she then went to bed and that she is somewhat of a sound sleeper and then the next thing she remembers she was awakened by someone's hand over her face and that the subject had his left hand on her right arm holding it tightly and his hand over her mouth and nose smothering her she then took her right hand and attempted to pull his hand away so she could breathe and he at this time stated to her in somewhat of a whisper or a growl as she described it don't scream or i will stab you to death she related he was wearing a ski mask black in color with white stripes completely around it and all she could see was his eyes she related further that the suspect then stated you are coming with me and that he reached back and removed a pistol with his left hand from his rear waistband or rear pocket she is not certain of which she related that they got off the bed on the left side referring to the area between the two twin beds that he then took her by the arm and at this point she does not recall which arm she believes it was her left arm and he was using his right hand to pull her out of said bed she also was asked if the subject was on top of her and she stated yes he was and that when she was awakened by his hand smothering her she felt his full body weight on her body and she could not move her legs and that she is positive he was laying in a prone position across the top of her and that the covers were still between her and the suspect's body and that his face was close to hers she stated further that the reason that she had changed her story in regards to the gun is that she had just remembered that he removed the gun when he was on top of her and not in the other room as she had previously mentioned she stated after he pulled her out of the bed by the arm they went into the barbecue room where he started out the rear door with her she was then interrupted and asked how she could see him or describe him and she related that there was enough light from the back porch light and the bathroom light to give her enough light to see fairly well she stated that somewhere in the area between the back door and her bedroom door she tried to break away from the suspect by pulling back and trying to jerk away from him but he at this time had a hold of her left arm with what she believes was his right hand he also had the gun in his left hand she stated that this made quite a bit of noise and she was crying there was some scuffle and she feels that this is the noise that caused her father to wake up she related further that they moved very slowly as she was resisting the suspect and he was somewhat dragging her out the back door and they got to the back door she noticed that the door was standing open she's not certain of how much could be one or two feet she also stated that when they went out the back door the porch light was still on that they got into the patio area and he took her through the gate which was standing open as they got just past the gate on the other side of the fence she heard her father yelling something like hey what's going on where are you going with my daughter? And that she then stopped as the suspect released her near the westmost gatepost on the south side of the fence, and looked at her father, who she could see coming through the house, and her father stopped momentarily near the bar in the kitchen area, and looked at her, and she could see him. She stated he then proceeded out the rear door, yelling something to the effect of, hey, where are you going with my daughter? What do you want? and she was at this time watching her father as he came out the back door and down the steps onto the patio, and that the suspect had pointed the gun at him, and her father put his arm as if to jump the fence. At that time, the suspect fired two shots. She related further that her father fell back after the first shot, and the suspect then fired the second shot. She does not know if he fired double action, and she's not sure which hand he used to fire the weapon. She stated there was just a brief pause between the first and second shot. She related that she continued to watch her father, and he staggered back toward the back door of the residence. She stated the suspect then turned the gun and pointed it at her, and took it away, and then kicked her two or three times. She's not sure which foot he used to kick her with. She was crying at this time and looking down. She related further that she then observed the suspect run down the drive, and that he disappeared running westbound in the area of the south bedroom window. She also stated she does not know the type of shoes that the suspect was wearing. However, they seem to be of a softer texture than a regular shoe. She also stated that when she got up and ran in the house, her father had already gone back in and headed toward the front of said residence. This was the last time she saw the suspect. She was asked how long she was with the suspect totally. She stated approximately three minutes. However, she's not certain. She was asked again about the conversation and the hand used by the suspect to discharge the weapon, and she stated that she was not certain whether it was right or left hand, that she first believed it was his left hand, however at this time she is not certain. She was asked how fast the suspect ran. Did he have a limp? She related that he ran at a normal gait, not what she would refer to as fast or slow. She stated further that his eyes appeared to be very dark, or what she could see of them appeared to be dark, appeared to be very mean. She stated further that the description of suspect is still the same as initially reported. She feels the suspect was a fairly strong person and she would compare him to her boyfriend and stated she felt that the suspect was stronger. The victim was then asked if she had any idea who the responsible party might be, whether it be a classmate or a previous friend. She stated she had no idea. She felt she had never seen or had contact with the suspect before. She also related that the voice was in a growl. And that she didn't feel that she would be able to recognize it again because she felt that it was obviously disguised. Stated further that the voice was very demanding and deliberate and it was not wavering or shaky or nervous. Stated further that she had a feeling the suspect was in command of the situation and did not appear to be undecided on any of his moves. This is VPD report Vaughn October 15th 1975. October 14th 1975 in an effort to centralize information developed from the mass of investigation up to this point the following points are listed as possible investigative leads they are mentioned only for an aid to utilize as the progress of this case continues number one weapon used thirty eight morocco four inch barrel revolver reported stolen eleven days prior to homicide and a possible ransack burglary at royal oaks two a bottle of liquid was found on the south side of five four eight whitney on morning of homicide three a yellow girl's bicycle was found abandoned in front of six one five redwood on morning of homicide one block west of scene four a flashlight was found at the rear of five thirty redwood on nine twenty seventy five which was stolen on eight thirty seventy five from a possible ransack burglary on redwood drive five an aluminum ladder was moved from the rear yard at thirty forty two whitney and was found behind the rear fence of thirty thirty whitney near the freeway Six, the screen removed from the Snelling residence was found on top of a camping trailer across the street from the scene of the homicide, westerly direction. Seven, Taurus revolver found in the ditch at Avenue 256 and Road 164, eight days after homicide. Same weapon was stolen in a possible ransack burglary on Mountain Drive on Five Twenty Four 75 Eight, a raincoat tied around a large screwdriver was found in the ditch on Nine Twenty Two Seventy Five. 9. On morning of homicide, the badminton net was found knocked over at Rear of Residence 2618 Just Drive.
0: The investigation into the Snelling murder continues in Episode 10, with the VPD turning to hypnosis, ultraviolet tracking, and stakeouts to catch their ransacker.